Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, film geeks. Today we are recapping the Oscars. The 2022 film season is officially over. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. And today we are recapping the Oscars. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, then you probably saw my many different reels where I was basically recording my reactions as they came. Um, You can go to my Instagram and watch all of those. Should you so choose... But let's let let's get into it now. Let me know in a comment section what you thought of Jimmy Kimmel as a host. I liked him. I mean, but overall, that part I really don't care about. I w- I'm all about the awards. I, I want to know who won, who didn't, and all that jazz. It's, given the fact that I finally, for the first time ever, I've seen all of the Best Picture nominees, I was really into this, invested. I, I was able to participate, well, kind of, you know, just from, you know, watching from my dining room table, um, participate in a way that I haven't been able to before, just because I had a little more knowledge and I had more of an authority to have an opinion than I've ever had before. It wasn't like I had like that one favorite and I want that one favorite to win. I was able to kind of look at this objectively and say, you know, while this was my favorite, I'm pretty sure this is probably going to get the award. While this might be my pick, I'm pretty sure it's going to go this way. And it made for an interesting experience for me. So yes, finally, it, it down to the last minute, I was able to watch all of the best picture nominees. I watched All Quiet on the Western Front at home. I watched it dubbed. I try to do subtitles. Uh, it was hard. I, I don't like subtitles. I don't like reading and trying to watch the movie at the same time. Can't do it. It gives me a headache. So I had to watch it dubbed. And then uh, earlier that same day, I watched Everything Everywhere All at Once at the theater. It was my second time trying to watch it. I actually tried to watch it because it's on Showtime right now. I tried to watch it on Showtime. Couldn't get through it. Uh, couldn't focus. I, I, it wasn't drawing me in. I wasn't engaged. I was kind of bored. So I said, you know what? Let me go to a theater where I have to actually sit still and I'm forced to focus and I'm not in my bedroom. So there's no distractions, right? Still didn't like it. I can see why it's nominated. I, I can't disagree with the nominations at all, except for a couple of things. And we can get into that if we want, but I just couldn't enjoy it. I, I thought it was incredibly boring. So now that I've seen all of the Best Picture nominees, which is pretty much most of the movies being nominated or, you know, one of those 10, let's let's talk about this because what an interesting evening. And the show ran a little over three hours, as expected, given that it's still broadcasting live on ABC, so that means commercials. I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for them to, you know, get their head out of the sand and realize, you know what, streaming it live the way the SAG Awards did it, that's the way to go. But it might be a while. I'm pretty sure they have a contract with ABC. They've been working with them for years now at this point. So we get started with the awards, right? Best animated feature, Pinocchio wins. I believe this is actually the first non-Disney animated film to win this award, which is amazing. Um, Disney, I think, had at least two that were nominated, if I'm not mistaken. So they had, well, no, one. So Turning Red. Puss in Boots, if I'm not mistaken, is... uh, not Paramount. I think it's Paramount. Now I'm confused. DreamWorks. I was close. So there's a cloud in there somewhere. DreamWorks. So 
Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio, which is on Netflix, won Best Animated Feature. That was a cool uh, shock, I think, for people who were expecting Puss in Boots to win or even Turning Red. And I'm like, okay, this is already starting off interesting. Next awards to be presented were Best Actor and Best Actress. No, I'm sorry, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress. So Ki-Hui Kwan, Data from uh, The Goonies, that's who he is to me, that's who he'll always be, uh, lovingly so. He expectedly won the Best Supporting Actor. He's pretty much been winning that award all season. My pick would have been one of the Banshee boys, so either Brandon Gleason or uh, Barry Keegan would have been my pick. And having seen everything everywhere all at once, I would still pick one of those over Ki Huey Kwan. When it comes to that movie as a whole, the acting, I was just not impressed. I think the only acting in that movie that really just kind of stood out to me was Stephanie Hugh. And she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress along with her co-star, Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, they decided to present the Best Supporting and Best uh, Best Supporting Actor and Actresses at the same time. I think they've done this in the past. Very smart. It just saves time. Um, especially, you know, you're not having to switch out presenters. You have the same presenters and you just kind of move right into the next. So everyone and their mama was expecting Angela Bassett to win this award. I was expecting Angela Bassett to to win this award. I was not a fan. I'm not a fan of her performance in Wakanda Forever. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just not. I, I didn't think it was that great. I thought she had some wonderful moments, very intense. I think People can confuse intensity with greatness. I, I didn't think there was anything spectacularly special about her performance. I thought it was a little contrived. Her accent bothered me a little bit. But people loved it and they thought it was worthy of a nomination. I'm not a voter. I'm just a consumer of these products. That's it. And my opinion at the end of the day means nil, but there it is. So, but even though th- that is my opinion, I expected her to win this award. Now, I felt like, you know, she had a little bit of competition after the SAG Awards. Now, with the SAG Awards, because that's a Screen Actors Guild and the SAG Awards is just acting and also stunt work, it's actors voting for actors. And the Oscars operates the same way with the different categories minus Best, best Picture. Everyone gets to vote for Best Picture, but actors vote for actors, directors vote for directors, and so on and so forth. Now... Not everyone in the Screen Actors Guild is a member of the Academy, but damn near every actor in the Academy is a member of the Screen Actors Guild. So these voting pools overlap. And if majority of the Screen Actors Guild felt like Jamie Lee Curtis was worthy of this award, chances are they feel the same way going into the Academy. And with Jamie Lee winning the SAG Award for Best Supporting Actress, it leaves things kind of shaken up a bit. And it, it's, you know, I'm sure Angela Bassett thought she had the, had it in the bag. I mean, I think she did based on the look on her face when Jamie Lee Curtis was announced as the winner. I think she felt entitled to that award. I think she felt like she had it in the bag. She probably, along with a lot of people, felt she was robbed. Um, personally, I wasn't all that impressed with any of the Best Supporting Actress nominations Um in that category, Hong Chow, I thought did amazing in The Whale. But honestly, 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 I felt like her role in the menu should have gotten more recognition than it actually did. But that's just my opinion. Now, Stephanie Hugh, I think, is the standout in that category. So if I had to say who should win that award? Uh, well, I loved Carrie Condon in The Banshee, so she's obviously my favorite, but I felt like Stephanie Hugh was the best actress in that category. Hong Chow, while she's great in The Whale, I felt like the menu was the better performance. Jamie Lee Curtis didn't really do it for me in Everything Everywhere All at Once, but congratulations to her. After a very long career, uh, since the late 1970s, this is her first nomination. So congratulations to her. It's her first nomination and her first win amazing sauce and it just kind of went off from there a lot of shocks a lot of surprises so let's recap some things in terms of multiple nominations you had everything every wall at once with 11 all quiet and the banshees with nine elvis the with eight fablements with seven tar with six top gun with six uh black panther wakanda forever with five avatar with four babylon the batman Triangle of Sadness and The Whale both had three. Living and Women Talking had two. Now, in terms of multiple wins, um, only three had multiple wins. Everything Everyone Once got seven out of the 11. All Quiet on the Western Front got four out of nine. And The Whale got two out of three. 
incredible. So the only one the whale didn't win was Best Supporting Actress, but they won for hairstyle and makeup, which uh, threw me. I figured Black Panther was going to get that. I think I, I expected Black Panther to get that one. Everyone expected Black Panther to get that one. But no, the whale did. This is what's I mean, I'm kind of on a tangent, but this is what's crazy to me about the whale winning the hairstyle and makeup award is the only thing worthy of hairstyle and makeup in that movie is Brendan Fraser's costume, not to belittle it or, you know, diminish it in any way, but that was it. This isn't like the elaborate hair and makeup in all of these other films that it was just this one, uh, one outfit, this one costume that was worthy of a nomination and it won. And again, hairstyle and makeup is voted on by the people within that category who've been, you know, invited and inducted into the Academy through that category. And that's it. So the other people who were nominated in that were all quiet on the Western front, which I kind of thought they were going to get that one. I, you know, if I had to say who I think had the best, I would have picked all quiet on the Western front. The Batman was also nominated Black Panther Wakanda uh, back forever was nominated, but I think, I think that was the kind of favorite to win and then elvis but the whale just kind of took it home all of these movies with elaborate and you know multiple people big cast makeup and hairstyling and all that jazz and they all got beat out by a fat suit i think that's amazing now that's your multiple nominations those are your multiple wins there were several other films that got one top gun got one women talking got one wakanda forever got one avatar got one this is the crazy part to me. These are the films that were just completely shut out. They didn't win anything. Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, The Fablemans, Tar, Babylon, Batman, Triangle of Sadness. I'm not mad about that one. And Living. Living was only nominated for one that I can remember. And I believe it was for Best Actor for Bill Nye. Not the science guy. I have to say that every time I say his name because then I'll get confused. So it, it was a very one-sided award. It, everything, everywhere, all at once, and all quiet on the Western Front pretty much just took everything in some aspects. So three out of the four acting awards went to everything, all at, everywhere, all at once. Michelle Yao won for Best Actress, uh, Data from the Goonies, and then Jamie Lee Curtis. And then probably my favorite win of the evening would have been Brennan Fraser winning for The Whale. Absolute. Um, absolutely amazing. Um, totally deserved it, but that was such a competitive category. Now I didn't see, uh, um, uh, uh, after sun, which had Paul Mescal, excuse me, which had Paul Mescal in it. Uh, so I don't know, but I did see Elvis, did see Banshees, did see living. Um, and then you have the whale as well. So very competitive, very strong, category i think out of all of the acting categories that was to me the strongest and most competitive um either way it would have gone it wouldn't have been bad uh my top three would have been brendan colin and then austin butler bill nye it was just so natural in living and unfortunately i never got to see after sun but hopefully someday soon Michelle Yao winning for everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay, I'm going to be quite frank here. I'm going to be honest. I was just not, she's an incredible actress. She's had an amazing career. I think this award was given to her for her career and not necessarily for this performance. I think this movie just kind of struck a chord and people just kind of threw things at it. I was not impressed with her performance in this movie. She gave a, she gave a great performance. Don't get me wrong. So I guess you shouldn't say I wasn't impressed. I'm sorry, Kate Blanchett was the one to beat. Her performance was to me the top tier. That's the standard. That's where that was the, the you know the bell you had to ring in order to even be considered for this league. And I was just, you know, that one out of all of the ones that didn't go my way, that was the one that really grinded my gears the most. I was Crossing my fingers for Kate Blanchett. And, you know, some people are like, well, she's been nominated so many times. So? So? Who cares? Who the frick cares? You want to have this argument? Let's talk about Angela Bassett, who's been nominated twice. Jamie Lee Curtis, who's been acting far longer and has never been nominated one. So we can have that argument there if you'd like. And But I, I'm sure people don't want to have it. I don't care how many times Kate Blanchett has been nominated I don't care how many times Michelle Williams has been nominated. I don't care. To me, that doesn't matter. We're not talking about a career's worth of nominations. We're talking about one year and one movie. 
that performance. That's what we're awarding here. And I felt like that's what, you know, Michelle Yao's award was for. I don't, I'm just, I wasn't all that moved with her performance. I thought the last, you know, few minutes, the scene she had with Stephanie Hugh at the end, you know, right outside the laundromat, I thought that was beautiful and moving, but that, that was to me, it wasn't spectacular to me at all. Ugh, that's just my opinion. You can come at me in the comment section. I really don't care. But that's what I felt like her award was for. I felt like we were awarding her career and not her performance. And that's where it can get a little bit tricky. Can we just stick to the movie at hand? Not for, you know what? I feel like it's time. She deserves it. No, come on, y'all. That takes all the fun out of it. That takes the competition out of it. So what else won here? So everything everywhere at once won seven, which I believe they actually tied with gravity uh, to win seven awards. So uh, yeah, everything, everyone once became the first film since 2013's gravity to win seven Academy awards and the most awarded best picture winner since 2008 slumdog millionaire, which I still haven't seen. That's really, really sad. So what all do they win? They won best picture. Clearly uh, my pick for that honestly would have been the Fablemans. Daniels won for every the best director. My pick for that would have been Steven Spielberg again, the Fablemans, but I'm not upset by that win at all. Yeah, no, the movie didn't do it for me, but in terms of direction, they deserve, they deserve to be on that stage. I, I, I'm, I can't deny that they won three out of the four acting categories, everything, every um, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. They won best original screenplay. Uh, sure. Why not? They won. What else did they win? I think that might've been it. Nope. They also won best film editing. Nope. Nope. They deserve that one. They can have that one. They earned that one. Uh, the guy who won was so precious because it's his only, only his second film and he gets an Academy award. So congratulations to him, but he did an incredible job. Incredible job. Uh, in terms of editing for that movie, I think that's where the film stands out for me is just the very slick and quick and timed editing. Um, the movie is so weird for me. It's quite a conundrum because I can, it's great direction, beautiful color, great cinematography, beautiful. Everything about it is just stunningly beautiful. It's a great work of art, but it did nothing for me. And I think that upsets me the most because this is a, the kind of movie that should have done something for me and it didn't. Why not? Because this movie was my kind of weird and it just missed me. Ugh. But I think the other big performer here that kind of shook people for a minute was All Quiet on the Western Front, which was also nominated for Best International Film. So in a sense, they kind of won a Best Picture, but for International Film. What an incredible honor, though. Think about that. Of all the movies that come out in these different countries, this was the one we decided as Americans was the best to come from that place, which sounds kind of pretentious, but we're Americans. This is our award show. You know, the BAFTAs, that's the British award show. And... I, I don't know. I think that's incredible. You know, out of all the movies that came out, this was the best picture from your country. This was the top. I think just to be nominated to say this is the best picture that came out of your country and out of all the foreign countries that produce film, these were the top five. I think that's something there's something to be said about that. But All Quiet, they won four out of their nine. So they won. And this probably shook me the most. They won Best Original Score. I have my money on Babylon. But after I watched the movie, I was like, I don't know. I, I think Babylon might have a, have a good run for its money with All Quiet on the Western Front because it was such a good score. Beautiful music. Um, it, it, it moved and flowed with the film, I thought, very, very well. But the the music from Babylon was just so good. Oh, I it's it's something you kind of dance in your room to. It's just it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And I I guess I kind of love that that big kind of jazzy era. I think living in New Orleans, I've kind of grown attached to it a bit. I hear it all the time. So yeah, that was a big shock for me when they won Best Original Score. Of course, they won. Uh, best international film. Other films that were nominated: Argentina, 1985; Close from Belgium; uh, EO, 
from Poland and then The Quiet Girl, which is actually in theaters right now from Ireland. I kind of want to see it. Is that the girl from, I'm sorry, yeah, Random Tangent. Nope, not the same girl. I thought this was a girl from Matilda. If you haven't seen Matilda, it's on Netflix. You should. It's wonderful. Those kids really just went all the way. And they also won Best Cinematography, All Quiet on the Western Front. Now, my pick for this would have been Tar. Uh, I love simplicity when it comes. I love simplicity. I love when someone can do something completely simple and it's profound. The framing choices, the way he, the cinematographer chose to film dialogue, um, not in the same way where we have these quick little, you know, back and forth close-up shots, but we have these shots where we're seeing both people in the frame and it's forcing us to pay attention to two things at once because we're listening to the person talking, but we're also paying attention to the person they're speaking to and we're watching their face and their reactions. And something I noticed in the very beginning of Tar is, you know, she's having a conversation with another man and we see both of them. And while they're talking, and this is totally normal and natural, it's something we as humans do every time when we're talking to somebody, she's listening to him, but she's also noticing something off kind of in the corner. And that was pretty much this, the whole movie is forcing us to pay attention to two things at once. Um, oftentimes splitting the screen in half. So we're looking at this, but also looking at that. And I don't know. I, I loved that using the camera to help move the story along and help to tell the story and to kind of put us in the right mindset. But all quiet on the Western front. War scenes are hard to beat um, because they're so beautifully choreographed. Uh, I think, you know, Gone with the Wind, that beautiful shot that everybody knows, then if you've been in any kind of film class, you have studied it to some extent, kind of set the tone and kind of ruined it for everyone because war scenes in general are just hard to beat. They're hard to beat. So happy for them, but I really wanted Tar to get that one. I thought the cinematography was just spectacular. And then our other multiple would be The Whale, Best Actor for Brendan Fraser. And then they also won Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Now, everyone, I think the crowd favorite for a lot of people was Top Gun. This is the movie that in, basically saved Hollywood. It brought people back to the theater. I think this is the movie that Hollywood really needs to learn from in terms of what they need to be putting out there. What's entertaining? What do audiences really want to see? It was such a simple film. And simple in terms of, you know an ordinary story, something we've seen before, but it's what people want to see. You know, it, it kind of takes you back to the era of the superstar in kind of the nineties the going into the early two thousands, which you don't really see much anymore. And I think Quentin Tarantino and even Martin Scorsese, they've talked about this a little bit, how we've gotten away from the movie star and, you know, we've gone in favor of the franchise. So it's not all about Robert Downey Jr. It's all about Marvel. Does that make sense? And I think Top Gun, it's kind of reminiscent and almost nostalgic of just what we as many moviegoers recognize why we go to the movies. Cause it's not just about the story, but sometimes we go because we trust that actor. Um, you know, Tom Cruise is a lot of things. You can say a lot of things about the man, but in terms of what he puts out on the screen, nine out of 10, you can trust that he's going to put out something great. He's going to give us a great performance. And with this being top gun, we know exactly what to expect. But the movie by itself is just splendid. It's spectacular. It deserves all the accolades, but it saved Hollywood. It saved the Holly, it saved Hollywood and it saved the theater industry. They needed this film more than anything. Honestly, it should get an honorary award just for that. But that again is my opinion. What were some other surprises? I don't think this is much as a surprise. I expected this to win because it deserved it, but the best adapted screenplay award going to women talking written by Sarah Poli. She was, she also directed Jimmy Kimmel at one point, I think he did, he did a made a quip about there being no female nominees. And it's funny listening to people kind of laugh in the audience. I'm like, y'all vote for it. I mean, directors vote for directors, but so who all was nominated for best director? So Martin McDonough, Steven Spielberg, Todd Field, and Ruben Uslan. So everything, everywhere, all at once. The Daniels, they won. Banshees of Inishirin, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. As much as I loved women talking in terms of direction, I don't think it quite made that jump 
up there. I think the movie was just, I've said this before in my review, the movie was just too simple for its own good. And I think that's where it kind of missed the mark. Not to say this is a bad film. It's one of my favorites. If I had to pick a favorite from movies released in 2022, even though I saw it, you know, last two, what, two months ago, um, the, it would be top tier, top 10. It's such a good movie. God, it was amazing. And she definitely deserved that writing nod. Um, it's dialogue heavy and dialogue can be very difficult to write, even when you're adapting it from a source material. And I have the book somewhere here and I have started it. I need to keep going. The dialogue is just different, but dialogue is just very difficult to write. And I think writers recognize that and it moves so good. So being able to uh, keep up with the dialogue and also keep the story going without it being too much, she definitely deserved that award so i'm so happy for her with that wakanda forever only won one award they were nominated for three if i'm not mistaken yes they were nominated for um no i'm sorry five i'm crazy so they were nominated for best visual effects they were nominated for best makeup and hairstyling they were nominated for best original song they were nominated for I'm kind of going through the list as I'm looking here. That might have been that might have been it. Best uh, supporting actress. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So they were nominated for those awards, but they only won one, which was best costume design. Um, Ruth E. Carter, I believe, she also won the Academy Award in 2019 or 2018. I forget. I, I, the movie came out in 2018, so it would have been the 2019 Academy Awards where she also won the uh, Academy Award for Best Costume Design for Black Panther. So congratulations to her. That's one a kind of an interesting feat. I, as much as I enjoyed the costuming for Wakanda Forever, um, to me it didn't seem, I mean, it's basically the same thing she did the last time. So it just wasn't new and fresh. But I mean, that doesn't really matter because we're just judging the costuming and designing on this movie. But my pick would have been either Babylon or Elvis. I'm being real here. Everything Everywhere All at Once was also nominated for Best Costume Design. The costumes in that movie were just so dang weird. I I don't know. But yeah, congratulations to her, though. I'm pretty sure that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. Avatar also, also won one for best visual effects. Duh. We're not even going to go into why. Now you also have best international film, best uh, do, best documentary, best documentary short, best animated, best animated short. I don't really care much for those. I don't pay attention because truth be told, as much as I enjoy documentaries, I'm not big on them. So I I'm, I'm don't really watch them much. Uh, and same thing with animated films. Unless it's something I really, really want to see, it's just not my thing. I'm, I'm kind of past that. It's just, it's not for me. It has to be something I really, really, really want to see. And as much as everyone was telling me, Pinocchio's amazing, I just really had no interest in seeing it. So because I really haven't seen any of those movies, I can't comment on it. So we're just going to move past those. Now, that's who won. That's who lost. Uh golly it it really was kind of one-sided it was either everything everywhere all at once or all quiet on the western front now let's talk about some of the reactions to all of this particularly with particularly Angela Bassett so let's talk a bit about the snubs I guess you could say let's go in depth there go watch the video it's probably on youtube or wherever uh i know it's on twitter that's where i've watched it a thousand times when jamie Lee Curtis won the award um angela bassett was the only one who didn't clap who didn't cheer who didn't smile nothing she just stayed very stoic uh ungrateful i would call it and i know a lot of people are saying well she was robbed now there are a lot of winners that i felt like oh I really wish somebody else had won. And I already mentioned that Kate Blanchett not winning Best Actress is probably the only award where I was genuinely as upset. I felt like she was the clear Best Actress. Do I think she was robbed? No. 
Uh, congratulations to Michelle Yao. I hope she is living it up, living it up and celebrating like hell. Congratulations. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My queen, I salute you. As much as I wish Kate Blanchett had won the award, go Michelle Yeoh. Go her. I'm not mad about that. I mean, I'm, I'm mad about it, but I'm not mad about it. But I, this whole idea that Angela Bassett or even Kate Blanchett were robbed or that Stephanie Hugh was robbed. I'm sorry. No, robbed implies that somebody took something from you that was yours. The award, the accolade, as you could say, did not belong to Angela Bassett. It didn't belong to Kate Blanchett. It didn't belong to Stephanie Hugh. It belonged to the Academy. And then once the Academy voted, they gave it to its owner, rightfully so being Jamie Lee Curtis or Michelle Yao. There was nobody was robbed. You either got the votes or you didn't. That's how this works. The Academy, the board of directors doesn't pick the winners. The Academy themselves, they vote on it. I've talked about the voting kind of the way it works before, but directors vote for directors. Actors vote for actors. Cinematographers vote for cinematographers. And then the entire Academy votes on best picture and best picture. It's kind of weird. They, they've changed it a little bit. It used to be a percentage thing. Now it kind of goes by a ranking system where they'll rank the, the video. They'll rank movies like one to 10. And then that's how they'll come up with their nominations. And then they'll vote again based on those nominations and rank them. It's like, okay, so he, wh what's your 10 out of here? What's your top 10? How would you rank them? And that's how they decide the winner. And they kind of get a percentage based on that. It's kind of, it's kind of funky, but that's how the winners are selected. More people voted for Jamie Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis than Angela Bassett. More people ranked Everything Everywhere All at Once as number one than all the other movies. More people voted for uh, Michelle Yao than Kate Blanchett. That's just how it works. No one was robbed. Mich Angela Bassett was not entitled to that award. It did not belong to her. The moment Jamie Lee Curtis won for SAG Award, she, she should have known. Crap, I just lost the Oscar. Like, she, she should have known. The only thing that belonged to her was the nomination. If somebody had taken the nomination from her, I think there you could say she was robbed. But no, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to fall into that. 
Jimmy Kimmel at the very beginning of the night mentioned, you know, there are so many movies that, you know, deserve to be here. He mentioned Till and The Woman King. If Till or The Woman King were worthy of a nomination or any kind of acknowledgement from the, from the Academy, they would have been there. The votes would have been there. Yeah, there's a lot of campaigning and pushing that goes along to Leslie, for for instance, um, the woman who was nominated for Best Actress, a lot of campaigning and pushing. And honestly, when you have these smaller films, you kind of have to campaign and push to get people to watch it so they vote for it. If you aren't campaigning and pushing for your film to be seen and to be voted, like, what are you doing? This is a competition. You don't just sit down, shut up and hope for the best. No, you put your actors out there. You get them excited and put them on interviews and crazy things to get them seen so that people who vote they're in their eyesight and they're like you know what maybe I should watch that maybe I should vote for them or you have a grassroots effort where you use other celebrities to kind of push your film which is what happened to for to Leslie now Danielle Deadweiler from Till she got you know recognition from the Golden Globes she got a recognition from the SAG Awards with respect to the nominations, but unfortunately she did not make the voting cut for the Oscars. That's just how it is. The same thing with the woman King. I'm sorry. I, I enjoyed the woman King. I liked it, but to say that this was somehow Oscar worthy, absolutely not on what planet. I'm sorry. Viola Davis was wonderful as, as per usual, but no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Her performance was just not Oscar worthy. She's give, she's given many Oscar worthy performances. She's a stellar actress and she always does well. She always gives it 100%. But this was just not Oscar level. Again, my personal opinion, Kate Blanchett was top tier. That's the standard. She was the one to beat. Unfortunately, she was beat. But still, she was the one to beat. If your performance did not meet that standard, why are you here? This idea that people are entitled to things they're not entitled to. Ugh, I hate it. It's annoying to me. And then people want to scream about race and say, they always do this to black women, yada, yada, yada. Jamie Lee Curtis has been making movies since the late 1970s. How long has Angela Bassett been around? And she's only won. She's only been nominated twice. This was her second nomination. She won, uh, not one, I'm sorry, but she was nominated in 1993 for What's Love Got to Do With It when she played Tina Turner. But she lost to Holly Hunter for The Piano. Great movie, by the way. Very good movie. Um Holly Hunter, if I remember correctly, she plays a woman who's deaf mute. Great movie. Uh, and Anna Paquin also won. She, I think she might have been like 10 or 11 years old. She also won the Best Supporting Actress for that for that movie. I know, tangent. Some of you are like, who's Anna Paquin? Sookie Stackhouse from True Blood. She's an Academy Award winner. She won when she was just a child. But I digress. Angela Bassett, she's been nominated twice. This was Jamie Lee Curtis's first nomination. So Angela Bassett has recognition from the Academy. She has received recognition from the Academy. She has been nominated before. So it's not like she has been overlooked. The truth be told, as wonderful as an actress as she is, this is like the first time in a very, very long time that she gave a performance that was just completely over the top extraordinary. By someone else's standards, I wasn't all that impressed. But to sit here and try to bring race into it, oh, look what they did. Shut up. Shut That belittles her. It makes little of her work to reduce everything she is down to her skin color. Like that should be the only consideration. That's where the Academy is going now. So if you're not aware, uh, I believe it's starting with films this year. I can't remember if it's starting with films this year or starting with next year and then how it applies. But the Academy has come up with diversity rules. They're trying to diversify the voting pool and um, make it so that we're not seeing some of the same movies that are getting nominated. Now, in terms of some of the same movies, to me, it, the mo it's mostly movies that are just lesser known. The general public is not going to see these the theaters however the general public is not voting it's just people within these organizations who are voting so they have access to to these movies in a way that we don't we're not getting screeners 
Okay. We just have the theater. That's it. They are actually getting DVD copies and sometimes digital copies of these movies so they can watch them on their own time, which means they're able to see the movies that we would normally not see. Does that make sense? So I don't know what, you know, like now we're going to have diversity rules. So I know some of these rules include making sure that a certain percentage, certain percentage or certain amount of your crew is of a marginalized group. So they have to be something of color, uh, LGBT female, or your cast has to be like a certain percentage of some kind of marginalized group, which is, you know, something of color, LGBT female. I think I don't like these rules. I, I'm not a fan at all. I, how do I feel? How do, how do I make this make sense? I think, okay, so in terms of the crew, so I'm pulling this up. So yeah, this is going to be for movies starting this year. So movies that came out um, in 2023, and it'll be for, well, actually, I guess they uh, did it for this year as well. So for the 94th Oscars, 2022, and then for the 95th Oscars, 2023, So I'm reading it right now. For the 94th Oscars 2022 and the 95th Oscars 2023, submitting a confidential academic academy inclusion standards form will be required for best picture consideration. However, meeting inclusion thresholds will not be required for eligibility in the best picture category until the 96th Oscars 2024. So starting this year, movies that are coming out this year, they will have to meet inclusion thresholds in order to be considered for the best picture category. What does that look like? So these are different standards. So for the 96 Oscars, 2024, a film must meet two out of four of the following standards to be deemed eligible. Standard A, on-screen representation themes and narratives. To achieve standard A, the film must meet one of the following criteria. Lead or significant supporting actors. At least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Asian, Hispanic, or they say Latinx. I don't say Latinx. Black or African-American, indigenous, Middle Eastern, Native American, or any other underrepresented race or ethnicity. Ensemble cast. Um... At least 30% of all actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups, women, racial or ethnic women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ+, people with cognitive or physical disabilities, or who are deaf or hard of hearing. A three main storyline or subject matter. The main storyline theme or narrative of the film is centered on an underrepresented group, women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ+, people with cognitive or or physical disabilities, or who are deaf or hard of hearing. So achieve standard A. So you must meet two of the four following standards. So standard A is one of the standards. To achieve standard A, the film must meet one of the following. So either your lead or lead actor has to be something of color. Either your ensemble cast has to be something related to women, uh, gays or some kind of ethnic group or someone with a cognitive or feeling uh physical physical disability or your storyline has to be centered around you know women racial groups or lgbtq plus or cognitive or physical disabilities the second standard standard b is creative leadership and project team so if you don't want to do a you can do b to achieve standard b must meet one of the criteria below creative leadership and department role, department heads at least two of the following creative leadership positions and department heads casting director cinematographer composer da, 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 da. so stuff that would normally get nominated for something women racial or ethnic group lgbtq plus people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing uh, at least one of those positions must belong to the following underrepresented racial or ethnic group. So the same thing from before, something of color. Other key roles, at least six other crew team technical positions, including production assistants, are from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. These positions include, but are not limited to first AD, gaffer, script supervisor. So if you're not familiar with any of what I just said, don't worry about it. So by, you know, overall co crew composition, at least 30% of the, the film's crew is from 
one of the following underrepresented groups, women, racial or ethnic LGBTQ plus people with cognitive or physical disabilities. So your crew has to look a certain way and you have to meet one of these. So either your creative leadership, either other key roles. So like production assistance, something to that effect has to be within those standards. So your crew has to look a certain way. If you want to meet standard B, you also have standard C, industry access and opportunities, paid apprentice. So to achieve standard C, the film must meet both criteria, paid apprenticeship and internship programs. The film distribution or financing company has paid apprenticeships or internships that are from the following that are for the from the following underrepresented groups and satisfy the criteria below. So the same women, racial or ethnic group, you know, LGBTQ plus people with cognitive or physical disabilities, the major studios distribute distributors are required to have substantive ongoing paid apprenticeships, um, inclusive of underrepresented groups. I don't even know how they're going to make that look. The many major or independent studios distribute must have a minimum of two apprentices interns from the above underrepresented groups, at least one from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. So basically if you have a paid apprenticeship or an internship of some kind, you have to, it, they have, it has to look a certain way or it has to be offered a certain way. I'm not even exactly sure. Like, what would you say? Hey, we're offering an internship, but you must be dot, dot, dot. Kind of weird. So you have to do both of these things. So that's C. So paid internship opportunities. So if you have a larger company, it just looks a little bit different than if you have a smaller company. Training opportunities and skills development crew. The film's production distribution and or financing company offers training and or work opportunities for below the line skill development or, you know, of two people from the following underrepresented groups, women, racial or ethnic, LGBTQ+. Basically, this excludes everyone but able-bodied white people, essentially. Able-bodied, I'm sorry, able-bodied white men. Able, but no, I'm sorry. Able-bodied white straight men. Everyone here gets a pass except for able-bodied white straight men. That's sad. Now, standard D. To achieve standard D, the film must meet the uh, criteria below. Representation in marketing, publicity, and distribution. The the studio and or film company has multiple in-house senior executives from among the following underrepresented groups. Your normal stuff we all just said. All categories other than best picture will be held to their current eligibility standards. Films in the specialty feature categories and will be addressed separately. Uh, Academy Aperture 25. So yeah, basically that's it. If I were in the film industry and I had to submit a form showing how inclusive I am, I would adhere, and I had to do this, I would adhere to standards C and D because you only have to do two out of four. I would, yeah, just C and D. So audience development and industry access and opportunities. So I would focus on apprenticeships and internships. And I would also focus on, you know, representation and marketing, publicity and distribution and just not have to worry about anything else. I wouldn't worry about the way I tell my story and the way my story is produced because that's essentially what these standards are doing. Instead of um, allowing these, underrepresented films to meet the standard instead of allowing these underrepresented films to push themselves and campaign the way to Leslie did. Um, we're just going to lower the standards. We're just going to lower the bar a little bit to make sure that certain people get in through the door instead of saying, Hey, you want he in here, you're going to have to meet the same standard as everyone else. In order for underrepresented films or storylines to be considered, we're going to make it so that it's a standard. If you want to be considered here, you have to tell your story. It has to be about a certain subject matter. Uh, These standards, I'm not a fan because I feel like they take away from the creativity of filmmaking and storytelling. And at the same time, I feel like lowering the bar and lowering the standards for anyone does not set them up for success in any way. Giving someone an internship or an apprenticeship just because of the color of their skin or because of who they sleep with or because they're a woman does not set them up for success. These qualities have absolutely nothing to do with what you can and cannot do in front of or behind the camera. You know, if we go by these standards, there are certain movies that just can't be made. I think of the movie like The Northman, which I absolutely loved. Honestly, I would have 
pegged that one for like a cinematography recognition. Something like that couldn't get made. I mean, we're talking about ninth century Vikings. There are no black people here. Like, hello, there are no black people here. And this is a story that does not center on black people. It doesn't center on women. It doesn't center on any kind of, you know, sexual or so-called gender identity or any kind of disability or anything like that. This is just a kind of a straightforward Viking story. The ability to tell these kinds of stories, to just tell stories in general, is kind of in jeopardy for the Academy because the Academy is trying to kiss the feet of a minority that is not well-loved, but is very, very loud, a very niche minority. I'm not just talking about, you know, LGBTQs or Black people in general, but I'm talking about kind of the loud, obnoxious, racist, and intolerant niche communities of these communities that are not liked, not well-loved outside of the internet, but they're incredibly loud and they're making a stink and they're causing shifts. And these shifts are just not good in general for the film industry, for the academy, or for creativity in general. I think Hollywood is starting to see that when we try to push these themes and we try to over-represent certain types of people in film, it doesn't get us anywhere. People don't, people see through the BS. Take the Kiss and Lightyear, for instance. I think there are several reasons why I think people didn't want to see that film. Number one, I think how people are just kind of sick of repeats. Okay, if you're going to give us an, a Buzz Lightyear movie, okay, give us freaking Tim Allen. We love you, Christopher Jamal Evans, but Tim Allen, Tim Allen has been Buzz Lightyear since I was, God, what, seven years old, give or take? I'm 35. I'll be 36 in June. And you want to get, no, and he's, no, um, as long as Tim Allen is still alive, he's Buzz Lightyear. So I think that kind of off put for people. Until you had this random kiss that nobody would have known about until they got to the movie, but they decided they wanted to push this. This kiss that had nothing to do with the plot, didn't add anything to the story. No one would have known about it, except they decided they wanted to push it when they were marketing it. And it was that push. Yeah, some people are homophobic. Some people are not interested in seeing a lesbian cartoon kiss on screen, but ultimately it's the push. People know when they're being pushed. And when you push, people are going to come back and it showed at the box office. Go woke, go broke. There's some merit to it. Hollywood is starting to figure that out. Yet in order for them to get the accolades that they're rooting and, you know, stretching and going for, they're going to have to go woke, which means they're going to lose money because people are just not having it anymore. I think Top Gun was the perfect example of this. Give people good old-fashioned entertainment and they will come to the theater. It's not rocket science. All the extras people are doing, they're not interested. Overrepresenting Black people and LGBTQ people and people are not stupid. You're trying to tell me that an elite private school in like the upper west side of New York is 50% black. You expect me to believe that? Really? We can dream. That would be nice, but it's not true. So more people are going to get their hearts broken, I think, at the next Academy Awards. And I think Hollywood is going to start to lose a little bit of the momentum that they've gotten that they were able to get from Top Gun. So Angela Bassett, as wonderful as she is, ought to count her lucky stars because she may not get to see another nomination. Yeah, she fits two of these categories. She's black and she's a woman. But the stories where she might get to show off, we may not see those stories anymore. My gears, it irritates me to no end. So if you, like I mentioned on my Instagram, I kind of recorded myself, not kind of, I did, recorded myself reacting to the Oscars as, as they were happening, put them on my reels, just, you know, hey. I'm watching the Oscars, so you don't have to watch me watch the Oscars, yada, yada, yada. And a comment that I get quite a bit on um, any of my reels or, inst- or TikToks that have to do with movies. Now, people that have been following for a while, I, I don't understand why this is, you know, 
shocking to people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you. Like, I love going to the movies. I don't just do it to entertain y'all. I do it because I enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. I talk about movies and I have a whole podcast because I enjoy talking about movies. This is fun for me. Why not do a podcast and, you know, create a little community about it? Like, I love this. I love film. I love the process. I love film history. I love it all. And so when it comes to film, when it comes to award shows and awarding the best of the best of the year, I look forward to three award shows and that's it. The Golden Globes, the SAG Awards, and the Oscars. I have said this, I don't know how many times it is not new information. And yet there are still people who leave comments such as, I can't in good conscience watch that show and give any of my brain cells over to those evildoers. Everything what goes to da-da-da-da-da. Another comment, done with their BS. Good for you if you can stomach their crap. What's the point in leaving a comment like that in my comment section? What do, you, what do you want from me? You want me to agree with you? You want a cookie? You want a pat on the back? What, on what planet do you think I would ever agree with you or affirm how you feel? Clearly, I enjoy this. I'm not watching the Oscars because, well, I'm just going to watch it because, you know, my followers, my, my followers don't care. Most of my followers are not interested in any of this. And I'm very much aware. I, I do a lot of content for engagement and, you know, to have conversations with people, but I also do a lot of content that's strictly just for me. It's fun for me. And so any kind of movie related content that I do, it's for me. It's fun for me. You don't have to like it. You don't have to engage with it, but that doesn't mean you get to leave some kind of rude as crap comment to try to make yourself look good in my comment section. Why would you do that? Clearly, I enjoy this. This is fun for me. So why would you, in my comment section, put something down that I enjoy? I understand for you it might be a moral dilemma, but keep it to yourself. It's disrespectful. It's insensitive. Whatever it is you're into, I don't go to your comment section and talk about how much it sucks, how much it's crap. I would never give my money to that. It's not your money. What do you care? You're not paying for my A-list membership. You don't pay for my popcorn. You don't pay for whatever I decide to rent on Apple TV. Like, ugh, don't do that to people. Everyone has their own interests. Everybody has their own passions. You don't have to like it. You don't have to be into it. But don't go in someone's comment section and just disrespect them. Don't do it. It's just, why would you do, what What purpose is this? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think I'm going to reply and say, totally agree with you. You think I'm going to change my mind? Homie, I've been going to the movies by myself since I was like eight years old. I was a latchkey kid. My mom used to drop me off at the movies as like a babysitter. Hello, welcome to the 90s, y'all. I love movies. I love film. I love storytelling. I love the art of it all. I love contrast. I love color. I love the way they weave sound in and out of a movie, the way it moves with the picture. I love the camera work. I'm a nerd about this stuff. I love it. There's nothing you could possibly say. No opinion you that, that you could that you could give me that would change my mind. I'm very much aware that a lot of Hollywood is damn near evil. I'm very much aware that a lot of it is just woke crap that doesn't realize it's going broke. I understand a lot of Hollywood is trying to push an agenda. I don't care. I love the process. I love the art of it all. I have my favorite actors, my favorite directors, my favorite writers, my favorite cinematographers. And I love award shows that reward the process. I love that I spend all year going to the movies and then I get to see who was the best of the best of that year. It's fun for me. I enjoy this. Oh, I just needed to rant about that. Anyways, moving on. Thank you once again for listening to me rant and rave and kind of go off about the Oscars. It's much appreciated. Also me going off on a little rant tangent. Uh, It was a fun show. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, Hopefully next year they get on the live streaming train and broadcast it that way. I think it'll save them some money and I also think it'll save them some time. Uh, It's just the way to go. I'm in love with the method that the SAG Awards decided to do and I think everyone should follow suit. So 
what's coming up so i'm i'm seeing a movie called southern gospel on thursday i believe it actually came out not too long ago i'm trying to decide if i want to see shazam or not i I need to kind of watch the first one if i decide to go see it i think a good um honest review on a superhero movie might do us some good and add a little bit of variety but you never know uh forcing myself to step out of outside of my comfort zone might be a good thing uh dungeons and dragons at some point at the end of the month i think it's like the last thursday in the month is probably when i'll end up seeing that as well and then the movie 65 with um adam driver i i'm not sure what i want to do with that if I want to see it or not. And then John Wick 4 comes out at some point. Um, I still need to see 1, 2, and 3. But I do, if I'm being real with you, I really don't care. The only reason I would ever be interested in seeing John Wick 4 is because Bill Skarsgård is in it. And that's enough. I don't really care what the thing is about. I just want to see him. I like looking at him. And I have no shame in saying so. So... That's it for the Oscar recap. Let me know if you actually watched the ceremony. Let me know what you thought of the overall ceremony, what you thought of Jimmy Kimmel, uh, the pacing and the movement of the awards, different things that happened, things that were said, what you thought of people's reaction speeches. If you didn't watch, but you are aware of the winners, what were some of your picks? What were some of your disappointments? Do you think some people may or may not have gotten robbed? Let me know what you thought. I want to hear from you. Find me in a comment section, either on YouTube or Instagram. Thank you so much, guys, for your time. Yeah, it was a long one, but I love this stuff. And I will see you guys Friday at noon. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.